Gracious Lord, we come before you here this morning with thanksgiving in our hearts. We thank you for your love, love that you show to us uh, since you spoke in the universe, leapt into existence, you set the foundations of this world, and that because of that love, it does lead us to repentance. When we discover your grace, your mercy, and your goodness, and know how much you've, you've done for us, even to the extent of sending your one and only son that whoever might believe in him would not perish, but have life that is everlasting. And for that, we are grateful. We are thankful for your love. Thank you for loving us in that way. Father, help us to turn back to you if we have gone astray. Help us to uh, uh, have the reminder of what is important that, that your love truly is better than life, better than anything else that we can come into contact with, better than anything that we can construct in our own minds and hearts. Give us the reminder of who you are, what you've done, the things that you will continue to do through us. Use us, shape us, mold us into your image. Father, as we open up your text today, speak to us loud and clearly about who you are, who we are, who you've created us to be and how you would have us to be so that we can live out our lives bringing you glory, bringing you everything that you rightly deserve. So Father, I thank you just for all these things. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. You will turn with me and your copy of God's word will are still in the, the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 19 here this morning. Thank you for all being here. Uh, trudging through uh, the, the snow that we got. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us online as well. Uh, glad that you're able to be here. Glad that we have the, the technology to be able to do this, that you won't, you won't miss God's message here today because of the, the technology that we have. Um, as I was reading through the text, uh, there's some things that, that made me uh, think about. I took uh, some, uh, go back into the past and really reminisce about some old things. Who here remembers their, their first crush? Yes. <laughs> Who remembers uh, the first time that you just, you saw somebody and you just, is a whole different thing that was going on, right? If you were, uh, it was maybe in your teenage years and you remember these, these crazy feelings that kind of welled up in you, things that you hadn't experienced before, uh, butterflies and anticipation and things of that nature. I'm sure uh, all these things came and it just were welling down for you. For me, I uh, really wanted to make sure that I looked my best. It seems like I went from uh, one place where I didn't care what I looked like, I didn't care how I smelled, none of this stuff, and then all of a sudden, things changed. And then all of a sudden, I wanted my clothes to match. I, I wanted to be sure to, to take a shower and you know uh, all these things just so that I can uh, be, be there to impress. I wanted to have a, a fresh cut and everything going on. Well, many of us who have our own kids, and I'm sure you probably see the same things in your children as they go through these teenage years and start to experience these different types of feelings. Or maybe they, uh, they too all of a sudden care about their own appearance. Um, that special someone might call, text, or Snapchat, and you see this goofy grin take over their face. 
and you know what's going on, this is interesting to look back on. And for those of you who are married, you know, like uh, Chrissy and Vic are celebrating a, a great anniversary today. I'm sure they're reminiscing about their budding love 34 years ago and what that looked like. And this is a whole different thing when you get married or when you meet the person, you're like, man, this might be the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Man, how was that feeling? When you, when you start to, to, to make this relationship, you start to get to know them, it becomes apparent like, this is the person God has for me. How special was that? It, it is interesting when you meet that person, you start building a relationship with them. Things, not only do you, you care about your appearance and you wanna show up in a certain way, but it, your, your thoughts and ideas, the things that you like start to change too, don't they? When you start to get to know this special someone in your life, you start to, you, you want to get to know them and you want to know what they like and you start doing, well, I, I didn't used to do this before, but they like to do it, so I'm going to start doing this. I don't really like to go on hikes, but my special someone loves to hike, so I'm going to get some hiking shoes. As, have you experienced this in your own relationship? Man, this is the person that I'm going to spend my life with. And you start to take interest in things that you've never been interested in before. Man, I've seen some movies when we were dating, me and Olivia, and we went to some movies that I would never, like, there's no way. <laughs> I probably haven't watched them since, but I was trying to build this relationship and my, my affections were, were turning and I wanted to impress. One day, you, you're, you find yourself just you hanging out with the boys, hanging out with your homegirls, and then all of a sudden, all you want to do is just spend time with your boo. How many of you have experienced this? This, brothers and sisters, is the same thing that happens when we meet Jesus. This is the same thing that happens when we meet our Savior, but it's on a whole different level. You take your experience with your significant other and you multiply it by infinity. And that is the affection that we ought to have for our Savior. Last week, we left off in the book of Acts where Paul is making his way to Ephesus to preach the gospel. And God is doing some amazing things through the apostle Paul. Today, I want to draw your attention to where your affections are for Christ here today. Where are your affections for Christ? Look with me, your copy of God's word to Acts chapter 19. We'll start in verse 11. It says that God was doing an extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of Jewish high priests named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know, and, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was 
the, the evil spirit leaped on them and mastered all of them and I overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Let me set the scene for you as we are diving into this here. God is doing a special work through the apostle Paul and he's doing all these miracles and he's opening the door for the gospel to be proclaimed, for it to be shared to, to everyone. Uh, uh, Paul is on his missionary journey and that's his job, is going to tell people about Jesus. And in fact, he's, he's going and on another loop to places he's already been and just to check in on them and give some extra emphasis on, hey, hey, remember what I told you. Remember what we talked about before. Let me help you continue to get this message out. While Paul is there, we see these exorcists, and they're trying to piggyback on what Paul is doing. They figure if it worked for Paul, then it can work for us. These, these exorcists, what they're doing is they're going and casting out these spirits for a fee. Oh, you're demon-possessed? How many demons you got? We, we're doing $5 a demon today. I mean, we, we could get you taken care of. I'm booked up today, but I can get you in first thing tomorrow. And we'll probably need an extra hundred, you know, because you look pretty bad. These guys are going and trying to capitalize for a fee on what is happening to these people. So um, these exorcists, they were known for doing these extensive ceremonies and speaking these magic words in order to try to free people from evil spirits, these different incantations, they were drumming up to try to do these things. And so in Ephesus, these sorcerers, they, they were all out to uh, sell these cures and these blessings for a particular price. And it was, con it was common for these charlatans just to be out there, you know, having their wares. I don't know if they have a storefront or they walking down the street or people go and seek them out but they, are, they were used to like, okay, if this spell doesn't work, then I'm gonna uh, use this other name. So they were used to going and taking things from different places and try to, to incorporate it into their own spells. And they heard about the name of Jesus. Like, well, this Paul guy is going around talking about Jesus. Maybe Jesus will work for us too. People are uh, uh, used to hearing or uh, understanding and just hearing about for the first time the name of Jesus and they, they want more Jesus. So maybe we can piggyback as well. Much like we see in horror movies today where people are taken over by evil spirits and we have the Catholic priests come in and they're, they're, they have these same kind of incantations in order to free them. I, don't, I, I assume the Catholic priests aren't charging a fee. I don't know what they're doing, but is similar to what we're seeing here in the text today. But what we, what we find out here in this text is that just saying the name of Jesus isn't enough. What we find out is there has to be some belief attached to what it is that they're saying. These evil spirits, <laughs> this is crazy to me. The evil spirits, they, they see these exorcists, and the exorcists are coming down and says, you know, I adjure you uh, by Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And the evil spirit's like, hey, um, we heard about Jesus. And, you know, we know Paul, but uh, I don't know who you think you are. Can you imagine this? The spirits know that these, these guys are charlatans. They're able to call it out just by hearing it like, I don't know what you're doing, but you got no power here. You're trying to co-opt this name. You have no idea what you're doing, what you're talking about. And then, then we see this reverse exorcism. 
Instead of the exorcist driving out the demons, the demons drive out the exorcist. Man, not only that, I mean, these, these guys were embarrassed. What they, they got beat up, they got humiliated, they got their clothes taken. <laughs> this is crazy stuff. Let me tell you something, if you're in a fight and, and you lose your clothes, you definitely lost a fight. I mean, let's, let's not get that misunderstood. You, you are done for. You're really in bad shape. And the text says that they were wounded, but I'm sure they were wounded more than just physically. I mean, they were humiliated. And emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, they, they were messed up after this event, I'm sure. They didn't want to have any more of that. So the first thing we should take from this is don't play with the name of Jesus. Don't play with the name of Jesus. We, we tend to use this flippantly in our world today, folks. So hopefully that ain't saved, uh, be using this as, you know, as, as curse words or just flippantly around just normal vernacular when they're not talking to him. Use it. Don't play with the name of Jesus. He is not something to be played with. His name is not something to be played with or to be used in vain. Secondly, these evil spirits not only knew Jesus, but they knew Paul too. And this is really interesting to me. They knew and they heard about Jesus. They knew they couldn't do anything about Jesus. They knew they couldn't come across him and do anything to him. But they also knew about Paul, they knew who Paul followed. They're like, well, Paul's hands off too. If Paul follows Jesus, and just like we can't do nothing to Jesus, we can't do anything to Paul. These jokers, they, they didn't have power to rid uh, the, the, uh, these people of the demons, but instead they uh, used this tormented man. The, the demons possessed this man and tormented him and they gave him this supernatural power to take out the sorcerers. Like, hey, you, you so-called exorcists have no power here, but we got something for you. And they took this man, beat him up. <laughs> this makes me wonder, if you encountered an evil spirit, what would they say about you? If, if you encountered an evil spirit, how would they respond would they be like we see here and look you up and down and say, who do you think you are? Or would they look at you and know that you are a blood-bought servant of the king and shake in their boots? I don't know about you, but man, it makes me, man, it just hits me to the core. Like, how would they respond to me? Would would they be able to know, would they be able to see who it is I'm follow, who it is that I serve, or would I get beat up, wounded, just like these guys? Look at verse 17. It says, and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of these who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts bought their, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and 
found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Here is because of the name of Jesus, it says that his name was extolled. Extolled means magnified, exalted, held in high esteem, praised. They heard about this act and they said, man, oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And they lifted up his name on high. Word got out and the Jews and the Greeks were talking about what happened. Again, imagine this. Maybe some were there and they saw it firsthand. Maybe some heard about it. And the, the, just the word got out. You know how stories can, can go through and people hear about it. They didn't have newspapers of the day. So people, it was just a talk of the town. Imagine these folks standing by and says, hey, man, did you hear about those, those demons that beat the brakes off those dudes the other day? I, I don't want that happening to me. I, I don't want to be in that position where I am confronted in that way. Jesus is the real deal. Matter of fact, Paul is the real deal as well. There's something to this. There's something not only about the name of Jesus, but the person of Jesus. And I want to be with him. I want to follow him. I want him as my savior. And now because of hearing about Jesus, they choose to follow him. And with this, they, they understand that Jesus, following Jesus and following the cult don't mix. It's either or. You either follow Jesus or you follow the world. You follow the occult. You follow idols. You can't intermingle them. You can't do both at the same time. They do this and understand this, and they experience this love for Jesus that changes their affections. They have these affections before this uh, for the occult and, and doing all these incantations and, and casting out demons and, and whatever else that is they're, they're doing, but they encounter Jesus and everything changes. Their, their thoughts, their desires, their wants, their needs, their affections all change. The things they used to enjoy, they no longer enjoy. The things that they, they, they did that went against God, they had no desire to do them anymore they began to realize that these practices that did not glorify God had to go. So they wanted to abandon those things. They wanted to get rid of it. It's like, we got to cut it out. We got to stop all this stuff so that we can serve the Lord. You see, the salvation, salvation leads to spiritual growth. It leads to this work of, of sanctification where the Holy Spirit shapes us into the image of Jesus Christ and he conforms us, he changes our hearts and our desires and he makes us more like him over time. They have all these books that they use to do sorcery and they ended up taking these books, these magic art books and all the things that were associated with them, they take them out and they burn them. They were serious about getting rid of this stuff that didn't align with who Jesus Christ is. They wanted to cut it out. They didn't give them away or sell them. They could have, but they destroyed them. Now us, we, we would often like, well, somebody else might be able to use it, even though I don't want to use it. I'm just going to give it to somebody. It's detrimental to somebody else. 
just as dangerous it is for you, as dangerous as it is for them as well. So they didn't want to give it to anybody else and have them go down a similar path. And, and, and God forbid that they don't encounter Jesus and get changed like they do. So instead of that, instead of giving away, instead of selling them, they destroy them. They didn't want to be associated with this false and deceptive spirituality. And they understood that these pagan practices were, use, were useless and they were sinful. They got this. And it wasn't cheap. It might have been hard for us, but I, I don't know if it was hard for them. But this, th these books that they had, they, they cost a lot of money. It says it was uh, uh, 50,000 pieces of silver. I don't know how much that is by these days accounts, but I think we're talking about thousands of dollars to us. That They took them out and they burned them. They got rid of them. They destroyed them. That's how serious they were about following Jesus. That's how important it was for them to get rid of these things, that they, were, they wanted to forsake whatever monetary gain that they might be able to see because of how great Jesus Christ is. They were committed to making this radical break from these ungodly things in their lives because the Spirit of God had dramatically changed their hearts, changed their affections. These Ephesian believers had a new love. They had a new affection and his name is Jesus. As Christians, we don't need to, to dabble with horoscopes or tarot cards, palm reading, and all that kind of stuff. That has no place for us as Christians. God doesn't work through superstitions. The only way for the power of God to be present in your life is to get those things out, to cut it off, to get rid of it, and commit yourself to him and him alone. There's no room to play. First John 5 and 21 says, little children, keep yourselves away from idols. Do whatever you gotta do to stay away from idols. Like Ephesians, getting these things out of your life communicates that God is more valuable to you than any other so-called God, any of your superstitions. He's more important than any amount of money. This is important for us today. In Revelation, the, the church of Ephesus is rebuked for abandoning their first love. Revelation 2 and 2 says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Brothers and sisters, I pray that this is not true for you. I pray that you have not abandoned your first love. And I'm not talking about your crush back in the day. I'm not even talking about your spouse. I'm talking about the one who came and bore the brunt of your sin on your behalf, who paid the price for you. We love him because he first 
love us. You might start off on fire and passionate about God and your affections towards Jesus. Somehow over time just grow cold. You, you get busy. You pray a little bit less. You go from appointment to appointment and you find that you're spending a little less time in his scriptures. You don't prioritize meeting with the body of believers in worship. I just got so much going on. Got this event or that. But I want to encourage you today to continue to cultivate your love for him. This is an active thing that we need to do. We need to be intentional about this. Just it is, as it is for your spouse, for your family, you got to intentionally work on being in love with them and serving them in a way that expresses your love. For our relationship with Christ is no different. I encourage you today to confess your sins to him. I mean, Lord, forgive me for my sin. I'm sorry, my bad. No, I want you to name it. We don't do the name and claim it here, but except when it comes to confession. When you have sin in your life, you need to call it out and name it and ask the Lord to take it from you. Lord, forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for my anger. Forgive me for my addiction to pornography. Forgive me for uh, my, the, the way that I treat my spouse. Lord, forgive me for my cheating. Forgive me for my wrath. Forgive me for my uh, slothfulness. Call it out and name it. You recognize it in your heart and, and ask the Lord to take it away from you and he will be faithful to do that. So confess your sin to him. Also stop any ungodly practices. If for chance you are wrapped up in some occult thing. Oh, it's just for fun to read my horoscope. Oh, I just want to say I want to go to this tarot card reading. It's, I'm with a group of people and they're all doing it, so I'm going to do it too. I'm going to put, set up this altar during various times in, in the life. It's not a big deal. It's, it's just a part of my culture. We need to take a serious look at what it is that we're doing and these ungodly practices that can creep into our lives that we might think is a small thing, but it isn't. And it's driving us further away from God and who he is. So confess your sins, stop any ungodly practices. Also spend time in the word and remember that he is better than any and everything. It's, 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 Easy to say, I want to turn my brain off, turn on some Netflix and just chill out. I know how that is. But surely you got 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is to spend in God's word, getting to know him, building and cultivating your relationship with him because he is your greatest good and your highest joy. And you're going to forget the, the Netflix show or the movie that you just watched. You're going you're gonna to forget about that, but what you won't forget, the, one, the thing that's going to endure in you, that's going to be with you, especially in your time of need, is, is God and his word. You're going to appreciate the time that you spend with him when you get into the valleys in your life. And he brings to remembrance some things you read in his word of how he's faithful. He's always been faithful to his children 
and the promises that he's provided. You'll never regret that time. And then lastly, don't accept any counterfeits. There's a lot of them out there. And it's easy for us to uh, build up idols in our lives. John Calvin is known for saying that our hearts are like an idol factory. We constantly build idols in our own lives. And if we're not careful, if we don't cut it off, we'll find ourselves going down the wide road instead of the narrow. We'll find ourselves going to a journey into the place that leads to death as opposed to the path that leads to life. When Paul writes his letter to the Galatians, in Galatians 2 and 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's true, I hope, for you as well. It's not only I. It's not I who live now, but it's Christ who lives in me, the Christ who drives me, Christ who molds me. Everything that I do is only possible because who Christ is. We need to remember that we're all made to worship. We, we are all going to be worshiping something. If we're not worshiping God with everything that, that we have, then we're replacing that worship with something else. That's what happened here in Ephesus. Uh, they had all these other things, these, these other type of gods, and they were going through and trying to supplement, but when they heard about Jesus, everything changed. Say, so I don't need all this stuff anymore. That stuff is useless anyway. It's sinful, it's garbage. It never did anything for me. Maybe I was okay in the moment, but all those aches and pains came back. All this, this, these the, the things that made me distraught or, or angry or, or sad, they, they all came back and, and I had to deal with that stuff. But the name of Jesus, because of what he's done, I might still have these aches and pains. I still might have these bouts of sadness, but I can have joy in the midst of sadness because my, my eyes are set on what's eternal. My goal is to spend the rest of my life with, with him and look forward to the day where there'll be no more of these, these pains and, and aches. There'll be no more of this, this sadness and, and grief. There'll be no more of this anger. That's what I have to look forward to. Anything or anyone you worship other than God is called an idol. So I, I, I encourage you to choose Jesus today. Choose Jesus every moment, every breath that you have. Choose Jesus. Because if we don't choose him in the moment, this, the flesh will take over and we'll start to go toward something else. Brothers and sisters, set your affections on him and allow him to transform you from the inside out. It'll change your heart, it'll change your desires, it'll change your wants, it'll change your needs. All for his good and his glory. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for showing us how much you love us and we know that you, you didn't have to do any of the things that you did, but we're so grateful that you chose to. 
We're so grateful that you chose us. And knowing this, even in the midst of our darkest moment, we still know that we, we belong to you and you've given us promises to be with us. You, you are there with us to give us strength and encouragement so that we can withstand the enemy. But even better than that, we already have victory because of what you've done. And because of who you are and your finished work on the cross, Father, we look forward to the day where we get to see Jesus when he comes back, get to see him face to face, and we get to be in the new heaven and new earth and be able to be in perpetual worship, that we would continue to, to do work for your glory, for our good. So, Father, we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.